This audio sermon is brought to you by the House of Intercessory Prayer Ministries. For more information, please visit www.hipm.org. Being together as a church. It really, it was not my intention to you know, do a series on this, but then again, the Spirit wants to me to stay on the same topic. So today, I want to talk about Christ and the church. Christ and the church. You know, as we know, the term church was first introduced in the Bible by whom? The term church is introduced in the Bible by whom? In the New Testament. Sorry? By whom? Okay, let's turn. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And Jesus, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my Church, who is saying this? Jesus. So Jesus is the one who is introducing the term church to us. And he says, on this rock, on Peter. Peter, the the, the original name was Petra. That simply means rock. And Peter was as solid as rock, right? Even though he was not at that moment. But then when he received the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he became a solid rock. He rose up and he preached the word of God and scripture says 3,000 people got added to the church. All these 3,000 people, those who were trying to kill Lord Jesus Christ, they wanted to crucify him and they did so. But now when Peter stood up and he spoke the word of God, scripture says 3,000 people got added to the church. So obviously there is no reason, there is no doubt, there is no question that why Jesus said that on him, on this rock, I'm going to build the church. And he died as a martyr. And he was crucified, in fact, upside down. And the blood still speaks. The blood still speaks. So Jesus was the one who introduced the term church to us. The word church in New Testament is translated from the original term in Greek called ecclesia. It comes from two different words. Ek means out and kaleo kaleo means called so it simply means ecclesia it means the one who are called out of this world the one who are called out of this world to follow god almighty that's what church simply means in acts chapter 20 verse 28 scripture says christ has Purchased the church with his own blood. Christ has purchased the church with his own blood. You know, if we need to purchase something, it simply means the ownership belongs to someone else. You know, yesterday we went to purchase an aquarium, a fish tank for Fibin. Right? So when we went to purchase that, it the owner was someone else. But when we 
paid, when we paid for that, the ownership is transferred to us. So here scripture says, Christ has paid for the church by his own blood. You know how much it cost, his blood? We don't know. It is beyond our imagination. It is beyond measure. Christ paid so much and he purchased church. And that's where we are sitting today. That's where we belong today. Christ has purchased. The result of the cruel death on the cross was the birth of church. So church is not an institution made by man. Church is an institution ordained by God. Church and Christ, they are inseparable. They are together. Church and Christ, they are together. You know, Christ bought the church and he also builds the church. And what else he can do? He bought the church by his own blood. And scripture says, he spoke to Peter and says, I'm going to build church. Who is going to build church? Not the pastor, not someone else. Christ says, I will build my church. So church is built by not an individual or not people, but Christ. Church is not the buildings that we see today. That's not the church. Right? In Revelation, in the book of Revelation, Scripture also talks about Christ and the church. And when we talk about church today, we need to remember two things. One is the universal body of Christ. Those who accept Lord Jesus Christ as their savior, as their personal savior. Those who are born again, they belong to the universal church. Somebody who is sitting and worshiping miles away, as long as he is saved and washed by the blood of the lamb, and he is serving God, God Almighty, he belongs to the same church where we belong to today. It's called the universal church. Not all the church-going people, but only those who are washed by his precious blood. Only those who are serving him as their personal savior. They belong to this universal church. And also church refers to the local church where we are in today. There are many denominations. There are people of God, children of God in all the denominations where the word of God is preached in the right way. There are people of God everywhere. They all together form the universal church. And those who are sitting here, we form the local church. Now in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 7 to 8, church is considered as a wife of the Lamb of God, Jesus. Let's read that. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Scripture says the church is the wife of the Lamb of God. So we are going to talk about that a little more in detail. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 2 says, Their churches represented as a bride getting ready to meet her husband. Revelation 21.2, then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, that simply refers to church, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So church is also referred to a wife and to a bride who is getting ready to meet the bridegroom. So Christ and church relationship is provided as a model for 
the relationship we have in the families between husband and wife. So today's teaching, I'm just going to you know, restrict myself to the book of Ephesians. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 22 to 33. Let's pay our attention just to this epistle of Ephesians, chapter 5. Verses 22-33. Christ and church relationship, as I said, it provides a beautiful model of the relationship between husband and wife. You know, most of the time we, are, we use the scripture that we are going to read to preach to the families. You know, how they should have their life arranged between husband and wife. But today the focus is not really to teach to couples, but it is instead to preach, to see the relationship Christ and church have together. Let's read some of those scriptures, Ephesians 5, 22 to 33. Wives, submit to your own husbands as the Lord. And as I said that, we are going to focus more on the church-Christ relationship, but it is also equally important, as the scripture says, the wife-husband relationship. So let's, let's, let's have our eyes open as the Lord speaks to us this morning. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but, the, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. You know, when we read the scriptures, it's like preaching in a marriage ceremony, right? So, but we are, today, we are, of course, we are going to talk about the relationship that Christ has with the church. You know, Paul writes, as we read the scriptures, Paul writes six significant truths about church and Christ relationship. That's what we are going to focus on today. Let's read verse 23 again. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. So who is the head of the church? According to the scripture. Christ is the head of the church. Head simply represents the position in our body. Head simply represents the position in our body, the brain center or the power control of our body. So who is the brain center and the power control of the church? Christ is the brain center and the power control of the church. Let's make a comparison just to get an understanding. You know, when I think about the head, I remember the Walton family. Do you remember who is Walton family? 
You all remember Walton family, right? He's the founder. In fact, Sam Walton was the founder and head of Walmart. The largest company worldwide in terms of the number of employers in that company, number of employees. You know how many employees in Walmart worldwide? It's 2,200,000 employees worldwide are, are employed in Walmart. When I think about head, I could think about, you know, somebody who is really heading such a big organization. I thought about that. Walmart was founded in the year 1962. But the church was founded in the Garden of Eden. 2014 years ago. Not really. Much more than that. Much more than that. You are awake. Much more than that. Church was founded. The moment the announcement of the birth of Lord Jesus Christ was given to Satan in the Garden of Eden, that was the foundation of church. The foundation of church was laid because there, there announced the death and crucifixion and the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ, and that in fact resulted in the birth of, Lord Jesus, of the church. Any company or organization is going to be burned by fire at the coming of the Lord. Do you know that? Scripture talks about it. All that we see in this world, all the greatness and pomp of this world is going to be burned with fire when the Lord comes back to this world. But the church is going to remain forever and ever. The founder of Walmart died in the year 1992. Christ died, but he rose again from the dead. He's alive today. I was thinking, Sam Walton, if he's alive, he may be the head of two billion employees. Think about our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's alive today. And he is heading billions and billions of people right from the day one of creation until today. And he's going to continue his ownership or his leadership even in the coming age. And he's also heading innumerable number of angels serving him. What a mighty God is comparing him to somebody who is considered great in this world. Even though there is no comparison between God and man. I'm just, you know, telling this comparison just to trigger your thinking about where man stands and where God Almighty he is. Christ is the head of the church today. Scripture also says, verse 23, he's also the redeemer of our souls. Do you know that secret? He's a redeemer of our souls. You know, as he bought the church his, with his own blood, he also redeemed us into an eternal journey. As we know, the journey that we are in today, it's not going to stop in this world. It will continue even into eternity. If Christ would not have died and risen from the dead, there is no church today. The existence of the church is just simply because Christ died and he rose from the dead. You know, church is built on the redeeming sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is just simply everything for the church. Can you just think of a church without Christ? There are many churches. There is no Christ. And they don't have time for Christ. They have time for many other things. And they have preeminence or importance for people in the churches. But then not for Christ. 
The moment we remove Christ from the church, the head of the body is just cut off. Think about a body without head. How long the body can move or act? Maybe few minutes and then eventually it will die. A body without head, it, it's really not good. It, it's awful. It's not good. Church without Christ, without Christ in the position of a head of the church, it's really awful. You know, there are many churches around us. We need to pray for them. And we need to protect our church to keep Christ as the head of the church. People will come and go. Leaders will come and go, but Christ remains as a head of the church. That's what scripture says. So the first principle here Paul is teaching to us, as we read the scriptures, he says Christ is the head of the church. Number two, in verse 24, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. It simply means, some of the other translations put it this way, as the church submits to Christ, as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. I'm not asking questions. Well, wives, do you really submit yourselves to your husbands? I'm not asking that part. I know you are doing it. You're all godly children. Right? So let's think about, let's talk about the church today. Submission, it simply refers to the authority of Lord Jesus Christ. When scripture says, therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, it simply means as the church submits itself to the authority of Lord Jesus Christ. You know, how do we respect his authority? Scripture says that you need to look at Christ. He's the head of the church. And we need to submit ourselves to his authority. So how do we understand what does it really mean submitting to him? Think about as Christ submitted himself to do the will of the Father. In the same way, God is expecting us to submit ourselves to Christ. Today's churches, they don't want to do this. We don't want to submit ourselves to Christ. You know, when we deviate or when the church deviates from the call of God, we really fail to submit to the authority of Lord Jesus Christ. As a church together, when we step into something, when we moment we deviate from what God wants us to do, we deviate. We are no more subjecting to the authority of Lord Jesus Christ. Today, I believe every church has to confess the scripture Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, 20. We are just going to do that in a moment. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified. Paul says here that I have been crucified. So Paul is identifying himself and he's submitting himself to Christ. And he says, when he says, I have been crucified, he says, it's no more myself. 
It is everything is Christ. Christ living in me. Now we are going to do something here, which is precious. We are going to replace I by with the word church. With the word church. When we read that, by replacing the word I with church, this is how we read. Church has been crucified with Christ. Church is not, it's, it's all, uh, all of us together. It's all individuals. So we can do that. Church has been crucified with Christ. That simply means there is nothing to boast about your church. There is nothing to boast about your church. You may be a group of believers from different parts of the globe, from different lifestyle. We may be offering millions of dollars to Christ, to, to the church. There is nothing simply to boast about us. Why? Church has been crucified with Christ. Let's continue. It is no longer the church who lives, but Christ lives in the church. It is no longer the church, so-called church, who lives, but it is Christ who lives in the church. Scripture also says the believers are the walking epistles, resembling Christ-like characters. It is no longer the individuals who live in the church. It is Christ who lives in everyone's heart. Let's continue. Who loved the church and gave himself for it. I skipped something. The life church now lives in the flesh is by faith in Christ. How true it is. The life that church now lives is in the flesh is by faith in Christ. Church should live in faith. Church should not depend on individuals. Church should not depend on the pastors. Church should not depend on the members. But instead, church should simply depend on Christ. Then the church says, the life church now lives in flesh as a members, as a body together, as a body of Christ together, is by faith in Christ. Who loved the church and gave himself for it? Verse 25 says, Christ loves his church and gave his life for it. Jesus Christ, he loved the church and he gave his life for the church. You know, if you really believe what we said above, we really don't hesitate to do anything to build the church. Because we are not depending on our own strength. We are not depending on people. We are not depending on money. We are all depending on Christ who lives in us. We will not hesitate to do anything for the body of Christ. The church becomes our life. Church becomes our family. We are together. We admit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what I believe. As Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5. That's what he is trying to say. Church is simply a group of believers who submit themselves for the Lord. Let's move a little further. Let's read verse 24. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24. Let's move further, a little more further. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ also loved the church 
and he gave himself for the church. Here we, here we come across a love relationship between Christ and the church. Let's understand that very correctly. Christ has fallen in love with the church. That he gave himself completely to her. That's what exactly scripture says. Christ has fallen in love with the church. And he gave himself completely to her. You know, I don't know really how many of you had that experience. Of falling in love with someone. And you gave everything to him or here. Everyone is silent. <clears throat> you don't do that. I don't know, I don't know about you. I remember, you know, when we got engaged, we had to wait three long years before we got married. I'm talking about 20 years ago, not now. It was three long years since the time we got engaged and, you know, we can come together to live together. In those three years, I remember everything was centered around her. Everything was rolling in my life around her, right? I really felt it was not I, she lives in me. You know, that's the feeling I really got. Everything was centered around. When we are in love relationship with someone, we just forget ourselves. We are just fallen in love with someone. A love, love relationship, it easily eats up the whole of us. It completely, nearly takes away and everything is motivated and everything will move according to that. Scripture says Christ has fallen in love with the church. And do you know that he is not married to the church yet? Do you know that? Christ has not married to the church yet. Last 2014 years, Christ has been engaged to the church, but he is not married to the church yet. Since the inception of the church. And one day it is going to happen. Scripture says it is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Marriage supper of the Lamb. And our Heavenly Father is making the Son to wait until He receives the church back into heaven. I believe He is totally eaten up with the church today. Because He loves the church so much. Today, when Christ loves the church so much, how much care He takes for the church. How much care he takes that everything that we do in our church, as Christ has fallen in love with the church, we also have fallen in love with him. That's the love relationship that today we have with Jesus Christ. The simple reason why we love him, because he loved us first. That's what the scripture says. He loved us first, even before we came to the love of Lord Jesus Christ. Think about those years when we were walking away from God. We never prayed. We never opened this book. We were just living in our own way, in our own life, in our own lifestyle. Think about those years. But then, one point of time in our lives, we found that Christ, someone already loved me. And we found that is Christ Jesus because he gave himself, he gave his life for me. The moment we realized that, we have fallen into a love relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Let's move further. Verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. 
What is the, we are talking about the kind of relationship the church has with Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ has with church. 26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. You know, Christ is our shepherd. Christ is our overseer or a guardian of our souls. Christ has many responsibilities in our lives, in the life of a church. He's also a shepherd. John chapter 15 verse 3 says, John 15 3, You are already cleansed because of the word which I have spoken to you. Here we read that Christ might sanctify and cleanse her, the church. Her represents the church with the washing of the water by the word. Word refers to the scripture, the Bible, the word of God. John chapter 15, 3 says, You are already cleansed because of the word which I have spoken. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus, before he was taken up into heaven, he was praying, Father, Father, sanctify them, O God, by the truth. And truth is what is scripture, which talks about. Christ has the responsibility of sanctifying and cleansing our lives. Christ has the responsibility of cleansing and sanctifying the church. You know, there is something no one else can do to the church is to prepare the church for the coming of the Lord. He needs to sanctify us. He needs to cleanse us. You know, sanctification is a process the church goes through. Just listen to me. I'm just going to talk about a little bit about sanctification. Someone said like this, your church doesn't sanctify itself will allow the filth of the world to pile up and there is no more light emitting from the large pile of trash. A church doesn't sanctify itself, will allow the filth of the world to pile up into the church and there is no more light emitting from the large pile of trash. A church can just die just like that. The moment the church stops sanctifying itself, Sanctification doesn't happen all of a sudden. It is not just someone can declare that, you know, today we are just setting ourselves apart from the rest of the world. We are declaring ourselves as sanctified. No, it's not going to happen that way. Sanctification is just much more to do with the internal, the inside of our life. Sanctification is something which has to happen within our lives. It is a process of growing desire to live godly. It is a process of, you know, saying no to sin. It doesn't happen just one day, one night. It gradually it has to grow within us. It is a growing process of saying no to sin. It is not really getting up and falling down. Getting up and falling down, that's not really the sign of sanctification. Someone said this way, sanctification is a constant and steady growth of experiencing the holiness of God and the infectious desire to live holy that spreads into the inner being of oneself. The desire to live holy, not just outwardly, but from inside. That is what is called sanctification. And there should be a growth pattern the way we deal with things, the way we desire to live godly. Who does all this? It's not our work. It's not because of our ability. Christ does that. 
Scripture says in verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. So this scripture we read, the scripture we study every day, that does something which is more precious, sanctification of our soul. It's cleansing us. It is washing us. It takes place through the word. Let's move further. The fifth aspect that Paul is talking about here is in verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Today, constantly Christ is working in the life of individuals as together as in the church with one simple reason. As 27 says, he might present her to himself. It's not that Christ is going to present church to the Father in heaven. No, he is constantly working in our lives so that he can present us to himself one day. Not having spot or wrinkle, no blemish at all. That shows the maturity of the purity. It shows the measure of purity that God is expecting in the life of the children of God in the church today. There is no way we can bring church world into the church. There is no way the worldly pattern can be mixed up with the church. Church is totally different. If we have a different idea about church, we need to forget those things. We need to just come back to the word of God and learn what church is. No defect at all. Perfect in every aspect. I just want you to think about this, this illustration. A man has fallen in love with a village girl who's not living in a town, who is living in a village. She has no modern look. She is kind of still old-fashioned, not having proper education, not having proper job, not having any proper dress to wear. She doesn't even protect herself from the weather conditions. Even her, her words are not proper. She is timid and guilty and fearful and anxious and shy and everything is what she is built off with. But this man has fallen in love with that village girl somehow. And this man decided to marry her anyway. So he brought her into the city. He took her out and he took her probably to get her hair done and her nails done. And he bought a good pair of shoes and some good dresses. And, you know, he made everything. And he also, you know, made her to participate in some self-development program and gave her good education and job. And finally, he married her. That's what exactly Christ has done to you and to me. We were living in our sins, not seeking God, not obeying the word of God, not reading the word of God, not paying any attention to godly things. Even our language was not proper. Our friends were not, not really good. We were living along with the filth of this world. But Jesus found us one day and he loved us like this man. Even though she was a village girl, he loved her. The same way, even though we were totally ugly and rotten, Jesus loved us. And he started working in our lives. Day by day, week by week, month by by, month by month. And he brought us to the church. And what's happening in the church? Verse 27 says, He might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle 
of any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. You know, that's what Christ is working in our lives. Every day, you know, as, we, as Christ works in our lives, some of the spots in our cheeks seem to be disappearing slowly. Christ is working in our lives. The little wrinkle below both of our eyes is going to little fade away. Little by little, it's going to disappear. And one day, we will become acceptable to be presented to Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's what the scripture says about the church. Christ has so much to do in our lives. And that's the reason he brought us to, him, to this place. He is giving us the word of God. You know, when we think about this, we also get the importance that we need to work in our lives. We need to work in the life of someone else. And we need to take the burden to, you know, handhold them as they grow in Christ. Paul got that burden in his life. He cries out in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. He says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, he says, for I am jealous for you. He's writing to the church in Corinth and he's saying, I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul was having that burden in his heart to help, to support the people of the church of Corinth. And he says, I have a duty, I have a responsibility to take you and present yourself to Christ Jesus as a pure virgin. You know, that's what Christ is working in our lives. Getting us out of the sins of this world and helping us to read and meditate the word of God and helping us to grow in the Lord. And Christ is helping us so that we may be able to stand in front of God one day as a pure virgin. Christ is going to like us. The church makes us presentable to Christ. Finally, number six, in verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. What the Lord does to the church? He nourishes and he cherishes. What does it mean when we say he nourishes? He feeds us from the word of God. As Sister Mercy was saying yesterday, it's a feeding to our souls. It's a nourishment to our souls. And he cherishes. It simply means he takes pleasure. As we grow in the Lord, he feeds us and he takes pleasure. You know, he really enjoys when we come together. He really enjoys when we grow in the Lord. In Psalm 149 verse 4 says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Psalm 147, 11 verse scripture says, Psalm 147, 11, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. And here we read, we read, the Lord nourishes and cherishes the church. We talked about a couple of things this morning. The relationship between Christ and the church. You know, when we think about all this, it is so amazing. The way Lord is bringing us together, the way Lord is working in our lives, preparing our lives, so one day when he comes back, we are presentable as a church, as a bride to Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's close our eyes. I believe this morning God is working in our lives.
it is so important that we realize the leadership of Lord Jesus Christ in our church. It is important that we submit ourselves to the Lordship of Lord Jesus Christ. It is important that he for us to know that he loves us. And it is very important that he has fallen in love with us, that he cannot just get away with us. The same way God expects us to love him. And also we saw he might sanctify us and he, must, he might cleanse us through the word. God wants us to open our eyes and ears as the Lord speaks to us. And also scripture says that he might present herself, her to himself in a, as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkles or any such thing. The Lord is working in our lives to remove the, some of those darkness, some of those black, dark areas of our lives. And he is going to shine his light upon those areas as we continue to pray, continue to stay upon the word of God. And finally, he feeds us, he feeds our souls, and also he rejoices as we grow in the Lord. And this morning, as we realize all this, we need to tell Lord God, I am in hand and hand with you, O God. I would like to walk in this relationship with you, Lord. Continue to build my life. Continue to, Lord, purify me, cleanse me, and sanctify me so that I may be found acceptable, O God. Let that be our prayer this morning as we listen to the Word of God. Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.